Good morning, everyone. It's very good to be here. And um, I'm telling you, you must come to India. Absolutely. You must do that. Okay. So, um, my wife and I have lived in India for about nine years uh, now. Uh, University Institute uh, is a standalone institute. I facilitate credits for U.S. universities. So, students come from U.S. universities. Some do semester abroad, special studies uh, from Christian universities. They're often doing ministry and engagement, and so we do everything. Um, Our core uh, value is uh, to do God's syllabus, which is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before our God. Uh, We are geared around a question. What is the crucial question of the 21st century? And that is, uh, what is the best way to live life on this planet? Our short answer is Jesus. We're in conversation, not confrontation. And uh, I'll give you uh, one example that will relate to what I'm going to be sharing this morning. In fact, uh, there's a passage in which you can hardly see because the English translates it different ways. But think about the Apostle Paul when he went into Thessalonica. And there's two places where actually he uses the same word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says uh, that uh, we do not need to say anything about our coming for they themselves report what kind of reception, that's the word, reception that you gave us. And then in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, you know, brothers, that our visit, and that's the same Greek word that's used in verse 9 as reception, our reception or our visit to you was not a failure. Um, As an example of conversation, we have a, uh, a center for is we have center for English language sec, English second language uh, global leadership. We have one a center for Islamic studies, and our director uh, brought we we uh, contacted Mark Ellis. Dr. Ellis is professor of history at Baylor University, and the director of the Center for Jewish Studies. He is a Jewish scholar, uh, and he in the springtime was at Harvard University at the Center for Middle Eastern Studies, did a lecture there, and uh, we contacted him and asked him to come to India uh, with the University Institute. We also shared with him that in our small budget operation, uh, we uh, had no way to fly him there and we had no honorarium to give. But we had a vision that we feel that in the world that we live in, a conflicted world, we need to be talking to each other about what is the most important way to live life on the planet. So he wrote us back and said, uh, within my framework of of my uh, center, I have funds and I'm fascinated by this invitation. I will do it. So in the springtime, he was at Harvard in the United States, and in the fall, he was in India with University Institute. We had him lecture at Delhi University, at Nehru University. At Nehru University, he was in a class uh, for West Asian studies. Now, that's what we would call Middle Eastern studies. It was a class that dealt with Israel. It had secular Hindu and Muslim students. He is a Jewish scholar, okay? And his, he often is a little at conflict with the Israeli government because he says that there will never be peace in the Middle East until there is forgiveness and reconciliation. The solution of the Middle East, in his estimation, as a, as a Jewish prophetic voice, is that we need forgiveness and reconciliation. So we had him in Delhi. During that time, uh, this year, for the first time, we sponsored 20 uh, Muslim students, 10 uh, in the spring, 10 in the fall, that came from Afghanistan, their first time out of their country. 
And uh, that night uh, we had a, a question and answer. I actually had dinghy fever and had been sleeping 16 to 21 hours a day uh, for about two weeks, but I was uh, at the end of that and recovering. I interviewed him and we were around a table and basically that night as I would just ask a question and he would give 20 minute answers, uh, we had feedback from the students later that evening. And one of the students said, I in my country am an educated person, but that night when I heard Hindu, Christian, Muslim, and uh, uh, we had a professor from Jamia Millie Islamic University there, uh, and, uh, and this Jewish scholar, this person said, I'm in my country, I'm considered an education person, but that night I felt like I was the Taliban. I was the person closed off, resisting as I heard things about forgiveness, uh, etc. During that time, then, we also, there were different women in our group who were followers of Jesus. And when we had dinner in the hotel that, that evening, uh, they talked in a range of things, and they themselves shared Jesus uh, and his forgiveness and his reconciliation. But we felt that in India that we would be too, um, it would not be proper on our business visa and everything, just as our first time we'd started a lecture series uh, to, uh, to have a Christian scholar. So we thought, who is a person that is talking about the topics that we feel are core? Justice, mercy, uh, walking humbly. So we said, Dr. Uh, uh, Ellis, we don't totally agree with you and you don't totally agree with you, us, but we'd like for you to talk about justice. Do you follow me? So what we were creating is we were creating a venue for conversation. So I, wanna, I want to, uh, for you to think in terms this morning, uh, just uh, step aside with, for me just a minute. Uh, think of a couple. Uh, think of them in a marketplace or think of them in a mall. Uh, you see them and you're just watching them. You ever, you ever do people watching or something? You know, so, so you're watching and you see them. They're on this side and they go by an electronic swap and they, they, they kind of slow down. They pause at the window and they're looking around and you can see them talking and uh, you can see them agreeing and then you can see, you know, she went. So they, they wander along and then they see on the other side of the, of the aisle and they, they move across there and they, they stop at a camera shop and they're, you see them talking again, and they're pointing in different things, and they're discussing, and then uh, the shopkeeper comes out, and you can see them talking, and they seem to thank him, walk on, and they go over to the other side, and there's another electronic. So what are they doing? What are they doing? Tell me. What? Yeah. They're, I, thought, I thought someone said... They're, Thank you, thank you. That was not a prompt there, but thank you very, very much. They're window shopping, right? They're window shopping. So here's the thing. I want, I want to talk about window shopping, okay? Window shopping. Now, do this. I'm going to break you into groups of four or five. Yeah, right here. Four or five. You're to have a recorder. Listen to me carefully. You're to have a recorder in your group. And so afterwards, I want the different carters. I'll ask you to give me feedback for all of us to hear. So in your group, here's what I want you to do. I want you right now to, to talk about five characteristics from the perspective of the shopper. If you're window shopping, what are you doing? What are the characteristics of a person window shopping? Ready? In your groups, four or five people, someone be your recorder for your group and do it right now. I'm timing you. You've got a minute and a half. Five characteristics. Do it now, please. there's the buzzer there's the buzzer okay i know someone said wait 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 that 
that wasn't a minute and a half. That You're right, it wasn't. I cheated. Life's not fair. Get over it. Okay, so are you with me? Okay, you got, you got one or two or three or four or five. Okay, someone as a reporter, tell me, what are the characteristics of a, of, of, of a shopper? Curiosity. The price. They're looking at the price. Curiosity. They're waddling. They're just, they're just moving through. Waddling. They're not, they're not in a hurry, anything like this. They're waddling. What? Oh, wait, oh, somewhere over here. They, they need something. They're looking for something specific. Uh, they're looking for something. They're, they're, they have an interest. Okay. Say it again. Does it have features that I like? Not committed. Is it good enough to go in? Is there a guarantee? Perhaps something that you wish for, but you can't afford. The man said, let's buy. The woman said, let's look some more. (laughs) Yes, one. Again? Quality. Quality. The range of the cost. Wow. And something, something attracts them. What? Is it on sale? All right. Okay. Okay, now then. You have that? So here it is. There's curiosity. Uh, they're just kind of waddling through. Uh, they're not quite committed. They're comparing. They want to know the quality. They want to know what the cost is. Someone says, let's do it now. Someone else says, no, wait, let's look some more and everything. You, you, you can feel that, right? You can feel that. Do you realize that somewhere between 2000 and 2005, planet Earth became an urban planet? Now, before this, we were a rural planet that had cities. But now then, people live in cities and we still have rural areas. The majority of the planet lives in urban areas and a single characteristic of all urban areas is people window shop slightly differently according to different cultures and such but everybody window shops now then i want you to do this i want you to go around behind the display in the window okay and now i want you to go back into your group and give me five characteristics from the perspective of the vendor you are now the shopkeeper you're now the store owner you're going to set up your display for people to window shop. What are you interested in doing as a vendor? You have a minute and a half. Maybe. Go. There's that buzzer. Getting even shorter. All right? Let's start up above here. Tell me, what is a vendor doing? Pro- Okay, provide information to collect an audience. Will I get you in the store? To to try and get them into the store. Absolutely. Uh, She or he as a vendor is perhaps even more driven than the customer. Huh. Yes. Ah, okay. don't, Don't put the price... Uh, on the items, so then they have to come into the store and ask, okay? Huh, you want to differentiate yourself from the other vendors. Communicate the value. Maybe you're not putting in the price, but you're going to communicate the value. 
I'm telling you, you're very clever. You're very clever. Okay. So, so, you, uh, so you're going to put the uh, sale items in the back so they have to walk through the whole store uh, to see those. Okay. Come in and see. And okay. okay. Say it again. Uh, set it up so it looks like the best. All right. Yeah, okay. So do it. What you want to do is to also figure out how do, I, how do they stop window shopping and purchase. Excellent. Now, in flying in from Asia, a friend of mine, uh, 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 several years now, he said, Tom, I want to ask you a question. What do you think is the key activity that everybody on mission is engaged in? That's interesting. Actually, he had spent a good bit of his life in Brazil. Speaks fluent Portuguese and such. Uh, he, his son, uh, one of his sons was, was in Africa. He was thinking about things. Some people of his friends were in, in, in North Africa and, and in East Asia. And he's saying... What do you think? You live in South Asia. You've lived there a decade. What, what do you think? Uh, what is the, the one thing that everybody is doing in common? What, what is the core competency? What's the key activity? What's, what's the root responsibility that every person as a follower of, of Jesus who's on mission, and if you're a follower of Jesus, hello, you are on mission. Are you with me? Okay, so what is it that's, it, that is ubiquitous, that, that spreads all over and includes all of us? I have found an interesting concept to answer that in the work of Van Nepp, who was a, an anthropologist working in the 20s and 30s in uh, the islands of the Pacific. He looked at tribal peoples in the complex of Indonesia and such, and uh, his work became a classic. He said that in the tribal... Uh, groups that he was there whenever the boys of the tribe were ready to become men they didn't just become men they entered a zone they entered a time and they entered actually places where they would move from their homes Uh, they were uh, isolated for a while and uh, there they were taught the stories of the tribe Uh, they were given the the rules and such as this They, they were uh, they even learned different vocabulary. And when they left there, there was a ceremony. And at that point, they were men. They had moved from childhood to manhood. But they had this time in between. Now, as an anthropologist, he called this liminal space. Liminal space. So it's an anthropological term that really is similar to the very thing of what I'm calling window shopping the good news. The, the root activity, the core responsibility of each of us as followers of Jesus is this. It is the creation of liminal space where others can window shop the good news. Hmm. The word has to do with threshold space. where A zone where you are neither in nor out. Let me give you an American example. You want to go out to eat. You may even be in uh, a shop, the old town or something like this. There are restaurants. You go off the sidewalk and you enter into the restaurant. But it says, please wait what? To be seated. You're in liminal space. You're not on the outside 
but you're not yet seated. You haven't said, I'm going to purchase. In fact, it's quite proper to say, you know what, I'm not from here. Can I see uh, the, the menu and the price range because I have other people coming down the street with me? And you look at it and you go, hmm, okay, I'm not for sure. I'm going to check around. And the people say, fine, everything. We hope you come back. And blah, blah, blah. See, they're, they're real nice. They don't go, you stupid idiot. Get in here and sit down. You know, they don't, uh, well, some, okay. But so it's liminal space. It's crossover. You can go on in or you can count the, you know, you're comparing. You're looking at what you're getting and everything. And you can leave. So this is liminal space. Uh, and it's, the, the word uh, limit, it's related to our English word limit. Uh, the, the, uh, the Romans in the Roman Empire had the, the limes. Uh, it was the point, the line, or the limit of the Roman Empire. That's why you have all the Chesters in, in England. You have Manchester and Westchester and Leicester. All of these are Chesters or the fort, and you had one in the West, Westchester and Manchester and such. You had these at the limit of the Roman Empire. The Roman went up, went up to the middle of England, and across middle England you have all these Chester Nate things. That's the limit. Okay. It was the threshold between the Roman Empire and the barbarians. Okay. So what happens is, is here, here are the characteristics of liminal space. First of all, liminal space is an, a zone of legitimacy. You have a right to be there. You have a right to come in. You're not seated yet in the restaurant, but you, it's right to be there. But let me say this. If you're thinking about sharing good news, the more difficult or the further away a person is, from understanding or knowing the good news, or the more hostile the culture is to that. The more not only you have to have a legitimate reason to be there, but also people have to have a legitimate reason to contact you. Okay? Uh, so, for example, I know people who want to, uh, to help people to learn English. So they do a genuine and a valid and an excellent job of teaching people English. But beyond that, they say that there's more to life than learning to speak English. And I have values and things. I have good news that I'd like to share. And so what you're creating is a liminal space, a threshold zone where a person is neither in nor out in regard to Jesus Christ, our Lord. But there, there's that you come together. And so the, the second characteristic is longevity. That is, you have repeat uh, connections with the person. Uh, you have a time where you don't want to just see a person once, but they come again. So if you were in a cultural situation or a religious situation where people were actually hostile, perhaps, to Jesus, then a person would need to be able to tell their family, I'm meeting with this person because I have a project uh, to do business, or I have a project to learn English, or I have a project to do this. But the projects are the activity bring you together, and that activity is the threshold space. It's the crossover. That's where a person can window shop. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Okay. So then the last thing is this, linkage. You see, when you're window shopping, you want it to be the zone where the attractive is put out. From the standpoint of the shopper, you're looking around. You're not ready to commit to this. You maybe, though, have thought about it. You've heard about it. Uh, maybe a new product is coming. You go, wow, what is that? Uh, I don't know. And so the, you're talking about it, and I heard this from so-and-so. Oh, yeah, I heard that too. Yeah, I, don't, I wonder if there's some around. So you're actually, it may be very vague knowledge, but you go and you look at this shop, and you compare. You may ask the person, what are your costs here? Okay, and you go over so... You're looking for things that you have curiosity, 
Uh, you may actually be a techie or something if you're looking at electronics and you know a lot about it, so you can actually ask questions. And so a person gives almost like, um, I guess you could call it an apologetic for that electronic uh, instrument. So there's, there's uh, things. Is, does it have this? And then, you know, somewhere along the line, and a person may need to go home. They're not going to do it in the shop, in the store today. They're going to say, huh, wow, man, I would really like to have that. But what, what did you say was the cost? Oh, oh, I'm going to have to think about that. And the person goes home. How long do they think about it? As long as they need to think about it. It's not up to you. And when they come down, come back, if you're the vendor, you don't go, well, <laughs> it's been a long time since you came, right? I mean, you just don't do that as a, as a vendor. We have knowledge sometimes in one zone of life and we seem to forget it or don't transfer it to another zone of life. Are you with me? Perhaps that's why the Lord Jesus said the kingdom of God is like and he gave business business illustrations he gave everyday life illustrations and he said if you understand this actually it'll help you understand the kingdom of god does that make sense i have found that the anthropological concept of liminal space is an extremely insightful concept i find that the everyday experience that all of us have is window shopping i've heard I have some interest. I may feel that I have a need that's not being met. But I'm not ready yet to commit. I'd like an easy, non-threatening zone in which, well, I mean, I'm not out. I mean, it's not like I'm not interested. But I'm really not ready to purchase. And especially if it costs a whole lot, I have to ask myself, it'll cost me what? Everything. For that pearl? I would have to sell everything if I purchased that pearl. Mm. Are you with me? So sometimes we have to think hard and our friends have to think hard. Because in kingdom ways, you are a vendor. I want to be very careful. I'm not talking about manipulation. I'm not talking about selling trash. I'm not talking about, you know, some kind of uh, gimmicks. I'm just saying that. You can have the most important and helpful thing in the world. And if you will present that in the most attractive way, but you have to have zones of crossover. Too many times the people of God are in their own zone. And if a person is going to learn about Jesus or come, that person is going to have to come into this zone. People, my question is this. How are you and your friends as a congregation? How are you and your community group? How are you and your two or three friends that you hang around with, how are you creating window shopping space, liminal space for your friends? What about sports? Sports is obviously a thing. Do you see how that works? It is actually the creation of liminal space so that people that are not created to Jesus can join together those who are and you have repeated uh, longevity, you have repeat experiences together and over that time you hope to see linkage. Maybe in entertainment, you go to a movie together. I'm telling you, if you haven't seen The Help, you should. If you haven't seen the Iranian uh, movie that is up for best film script for the year, A Separation, you should, okay? Uh, there are several. I can name several just from this last year. 
uh, I have a timeshare in Hollywood. Okay, <laughs> so we, we do movies. Okay, we do movies. So, but the point is, uh, whatever it is, is it golf? Is it sports? Uh, what is the activity? And how can you, in your group, does your group need to not this week have a Bible study? Maybe you just need to have a party. Maybe you need to have some hangout time so people can ask their friends to come. And maybe you need to do it on a repeated basis so they can do it again and again. Does that make sense? And in the midst of that, then you share because it's a place where people can see, can look, can taste, can feel, can hear, and really can go home and think. And they don't have to do buy-in right now. And in that zone of conversation then you, you are doing the key activity. You are engaged in the core competency. And you're engaged in the root responsibility of everyone who is a follower of Jesus on mission. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, hear our prayer this day. May we be those who create liminal space. Help us, Lord, to sometimes go towards the limit ourselves. But, Lord, may we, by our, uh, not just hap- uh, cir- uh, like circumstance and happenstance, may we plan to have zones of conversation, zones of relationship beyond the shop, beyond the store. May we go to the edge so that passerbys and casual acquaintances and others can window shop the good news. They have curiosity, they've heard, there's interest. They have needs in their life that some we are not even aware of. But there are hungers and there are things stirred. And Lord, may we, in the best way possible, display all the qualities of Jesus our Lord. And may, Lord, we have just really release people from us having that they have to do something now. May they shop, may they compare, may they go home and consider, may they talk it over with their friends, the people that they know and trust, and may they come to say, this is going to cost me a whole lot. As a vendor, you don't even know. But I must have this. I will do buy-in. So Lord, help us to be those who window shop the good news. And I want to pray for that person right now. Maybe that person, Lord, is the first time that we've met or they've heard uh, a message concerning you, but they've heard from others. They've actually window shopped. They realize, wow, that's what I've done. I guess that's what my friend is. I, I don't think we even knew what was happening, but Lord, I've window shopped and really I'm ready to do buy-in. I want what you have. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to make me clean because I'm not a clean person. I ask you, Lord, that you forgive me because I've really messed up. I ask you to help me put my life back together because I've, I've just, uh, it's not where it should be. And I ask you for strength because you don't even know how many times I fail. So forgive me, cleanse me, receive me now, Lord. I ask you, to be my Lord and Savior, and I do buy-in right now. Lord, help us. Help us to window shop the good news through, uh, through Lord, just uh, giving 
uh, people the areas, uh, legitimate areas, just to talk and to see and to examine. May it be longevity so we do it again and again. And Lord, would you link good news to their heart in Jesus' name? Amen.